Take your Bible, if you would, please, this morning. It should open up to the book of John almost by itself now. You've been in it many weeks, and uh, we will be in it for many more weeks as we are approaching the halfway point of the Gospel of John. Find, if you would, the 10th chapter. That's the easy one. The hard one is going to be to find another book that begins with J. It's in the Old Testament, and it's the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, find, if you would, please, the 23rd chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Now, if you have a digital device, that's cheating, okay? So, uh, but that's fine. Go ahead and put it in there and mark that. For those of you that are using your Bible, and if you need difficulty, somebody, or have difficulty, somebody beside you can help you, or you can look in the glossary. But I would desperately want you to be able to see both Bible passages. I would encourage you to get an ink pen, if you would, please. And have that available. I want you to underline some things and write some things, maybe even in your Bible. So when you do your personal Bible study, you will see that pastor had me underline that. And so it must be an important situation for me. And so I would encourage you along those lines as well. As you know, we've started many weeks ago a series in this book entitled That You Might Have Life. And we have been going through the Gospel of John and looking at the life of the world, the light of the world, and the Lord Jesus, and seeing him as the Son of God, as Messiah, seeing him as the Christ, and many are seeing him by faith for the very first time in their life. We've had more people saved since we've begun the book of John than we have in any other series since I've been here. We ought to say amen to that. God is moving in people's lives. Not only has he moving in people's lives as Savior, but he's moving in people's lives as he's building faith in our lives from the word of God. And it's just been a delight to be in this, in this book. And so I want to preach to you today. And in order to do that, I need to read 21 verses in John chapter 10. I need you to read them with me, if you would please, as far as silently, but stay concentrated and, and understand and stay mentally in, into the reading. If you have a study Bible, you know that the very first words of verse number one and many of the words in the verses of chapter 10 are in red letter. Pastor, why would my Bible have red print? Those are the words that John is quoting from the Lord Jesus, which means they came out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. And um, this is his verbal statements. He begins the 10th chapter with a statement where he's aggressively making a point. And that begins with the two words, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Maybe turn my, my monitor down just a little bit, Jonathan. I'm ringing it and, and um, bothering myself. Verse number three. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. Now take your ink pen here and underline the rest of that. And leadeth them out. Underline that phrase. Come over, if you would, to John chapter 9 and verse number 34. 
And there's an ending phrase in that verse that you should underline, and they cast him out. Those two verses are going to have some correlation here in just a moment. Verse number four. And when he, the shepherd, putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Pause with me just a second. Nowhere in any Bible on the planet will the next words that come out of my mouth be in. They're not in a scripture. But if I was to insert something, I would insert right after verse number five, duh. Okay. They're not in the Bible in word, but they are in in, in, in premise. The next verse, verse number six, begins with this, what's that word with a P? Parable. A parable was a way that Jesus would teach on the earth. A parable is that Jesus would take a familiar earthly physical moment, something that everybody could identify with, and teach a unfamiliar spiritual truth. They would be familiar with the earthly part, unfamiliar with the heavenly part. And so he would take something that they could identify earthly and use it to teach a spiritual truth. Most of the time, it was to expose their disobedience or their waywardness. So John, in writing this passage under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in revisiting it, John would tell you that the people that heard the parable went, duh, and and Jesus would say, no, you missed it. Verse number six. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again. Now, Jesus is very kind here. He explains what he meant. Verily, verily, I say unto you. I hope you have your ink pen. I am the door of the sheep. Underline that phrase. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. Take your ink pen, please, and underline the first phrase of verse number nine. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We understand that. I hope you have your ink pen. You definitely want to underline the next part. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. If you have life in the Lord Jesus today, would you say amen? Amen. Take that same ink pen and underline the first phrase of verse number 11. 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because that's what he is. He is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Oh, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. I just want to pause right here. Salvation came first to the Jew. The Jew rejected it and praise God it went to the Gentile. If you're not born a Jew, then you're born a Gentile. Aren't you glad Gentile that's, that Jesus had others of the fold that he could bring the gospel to us? Amen. Right? Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Speaking of the crucifixion and the resurrection. No man taketh it from me. Speaking of his life. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power To take it again. Praise your holy name Jesus. This commandment. Have I received. Of my father. Okay. If you have a Bible that has red letter print. You know that the red letter has stopped. John now tells us. How people responded to what Jesus says. Verse number 19. There was a division. Therefore again. Among the Jews for these sayings. Many of them said, this is typical, he hath a devil, he is mad. Why do you want to listen to him? Why do you hear him? Others said, hold on a minute. These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Take your pen and underline that last question of verse number 21. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Let's stop right there. First, let me say, Jesus is not, nor does he have a devil. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's God, the Son of God. Amen? The reason verse number 21 is so important, and I read there, is because, and had you underline that question, is because that question identifies that what we just read in those 21 verses correlate back to what we've been studying in John chapter 9. When you have your Bible, you will notice, and we believe this, 
that every word of this Bible is inspired, infallible, and inerrant as preserved for us in the King James Version. We, we love that. We appreciate that. We know that. However, what's not inerrant, inspired, and all of that, yet I believe God used, is the way that your Bible is divided in chapter and verse. So Jesus did not do, in, in the quotation of, 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 of this, the way that you kind of dictate to Siri. Hey, Siri, call Beverly, period. Hey, Siri, ask Beverly what's for dinner, question mark. Hey, Siri, tell Beverly not to get mad at these questions, exclamation, 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 right? So Jesus didn't dictate it and stop, stop, period, question, period, question, chapter, verse, whatever. These are divided up by people. What you have here in John chapter 10 is Jesus confronting the mindset of the Pharisees in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, if you remember right, you have a man that was born blind from his birth. You understand that Jesus heals this man of physical blindness. And then at the end of the chapter, he heals the man from spiritual blindness as the man believes upon the Lord. If you remember right, that the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they believed that because that man was born blind is evidence that sin was involved in his life. Either it was his parents that had sinned, or they believed if you were born with a handicap or a disability, that somehow you had committed sin inside the womb, which we know to be impossible. Therefore, in their mind, because you were handicapped and they were whole or you had special needs and they did not, therefore, it identified you as a sinner and was evidence that they were righteous in themselves. And Jesus is coming along and Jesus is exposing this false belief and this false doctrine and is making sure that they understand that sin had nothing to do with the way this, this child was born. He was born for the glory of the Lord, but the way that that guy was born blind, God was going to use to manifest the spiritual blindness of people. And so, you know, at the end of chapter number nine, the Pharisees asked that question in verse number 40, are we blind also? And Jesus' response to them in verse number 41 is, if you were blind, you should have no sin. They thought because you were blind, you had sin. Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see Therefore, your sin remaineth. Now, he's not talking about their physical sight here. He's talking about their spiritual understanding. And as a spiritual man, when I understand that I'm blind in the fact that I don't have my own righteousness and I need the righteousness of Jesus, I come to him to see. They did not want to receive the righteousness of Jesus. They wanted to find righteousness of themselves. And so they would not acknowledge their spiritual blindness. They wanted to say, we don't need Jesus. We see just fine spiritually without him. By the way, without Jesus, you have no righteousness. You have no sight spiritually. And so Jesus now is going to hone in on that process. And he tells them a parable. And he tells them the story that all of them knew about. And he identifies it with the shepherd and with the sheep 
sheepfold in that process. Now, I've been to Israel twice. I've seen the sheepfolds. I've been to the shepherd's fields. I've seen how the shepherds work. We've seen the shepherds. We've seen their sheep. In the Bible days, a sheepfold would have been a structure or a pen that was well secured all the way around on the ground. It would have one little narrow entrance, just really big enough for you to wiggle through and for the sheep to come through. It was designed that way for protection. On the top of that, sometimes there would be a thatched situation. Many of the times, it was just open. And they they knew that in those sheepfolds, that it wasn't used by just one shepherd and his sheep. It was used... By many shepherds. And so the pen would hold them. The shepherd would come. He would access the door. He would go into the sheepfold. And he would call his sheep by name. Or by sound. Or by whistle. Somehow his sheep knew the shepherd's voice. The shepherd would then turn around. Exit the sheepfold. And his sheep would come out of the sheepfold. And they would follow the shepherd. Nobody else's sheep would come because they did not know that voice. You understand that, okay? They also knew that the only person that was going to come through that opening or that door would be the shepherd. If you tried to access the sheepfold by climbing up the side and coming in the roof, you immediately identified yourself as a thief or a robber. The difference between a thief and a robber was the shedding of blood. A thief would commit a crime, no shedding of blood. The robber would commit a crime and there would be blood. And so the only way into that sheep fold on an honest direction would be the shepherd going through the door. Duh is what they would say to that. Okay. Now you need Jeremiah 23. You got to read Jeremiah 23. And really and truthfully, you need Ezekiel 34, but I didn't think you'd find Ezekiel till Tuesday. So I went with Jeremiah 23. Okay. Now I told you, or the Bible tells you that this is a parable A parable Jesus is giving them with a familiar illustration to show them how unfamiliar they are with the truth. Jeremiah chapter 23, look if you would at verse number 1. Beside Jeremiah 23, you should write Ezekiel 34. It's a wonderful read as you, if maybe this afternoon. In verse number 1 of Jeremiah chapter 23, it begins with a word with W and it's a strong word, woe. This is an aggressive powerful warning woe be unto the what's that word pastors pastor i didn't know the word pastor was used in the old testament absolutely woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture saith who okay so the lord is telling the pastor Shame on you. I have sheep and you're mistreating them. Verse number two. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock. You've driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. 
I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them and will bring them again to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up, say the word, shepherds, which is what a pastor is. He's the under shepherd over them, which shall feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall be, they be lacking, saith the Lord. All right, so look this way. Back in John chapter 10. Parable, earthly story, heavenly meaning, familiarity, unfamiliarity. And these, these Pharisees that have projected themselves as leaders, they have been shepherds spiritually of the house of Israel, pastors that provided direction for them. And all the way back in the major prophets, the prophets were saying that they had led astray and God knew about it. So now you come to the New Testament and the promise is that that God would send them shepherds and that God would send them the branch. And here Jesus shows up on the scene and we've just had a beautiful description of how wicked those guys were as spiritual leaders. They had a blind man that they didn't lead as a shepherd. They cast him out like a hireling. And then when Jesus confronted them in their sinfulness and in their lack of shepherding, he told them, fellas, you say, duh, but here's what you don't understand. I'm the door. Because I'm the door, you're a thief and you're a robber. Now, nobody likes to be called those things. Fellas, not only am I the door and you're a thief and a robber, I'm the shepherd and you're a fraud. And you are a fake. And you're a hireling. Now they missed that in the little illustration. Jesus made sure they didn't miss it in the explanation. Pastor, help me a second. How can Jesus be the door and the shepherd? Oh, there's one part I forgot to tell you. You remember how I told you about that little sheepfold cage and it only had that one little niche where you could kind of squeeze in there. It's ragged or whatever. It's designed for protection. Don't picture like this big wide gate and they let the uh, the horses out or cows out. This little thing. At nighttime when the sheep got in there, the shepherd was the door. The shepherd would climb into the little spot and the shepherd acted as the door. And if you were going to enter into the fold, you were going through the shepherd. If you were coming out of the fold, you were coming out past the shepherd. The only way to access the fold was through the shepherd. Tell me you know that. Okay. So if you come over the wall, you're a stinking thief. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Right. They called him liar. They called him lunatic. They said he had a devil. They said he was mad out of his mind. And you had these pastors of Israel that were 
trying to deal with the sheep or the spiritual condition of those Israelites. And they were unwilling to go through the door of Jesus. And they were coming out over the side. And Jesus caught them red-handed and acknowledged their dismissal of the door. Why is this so important? Look, if you would, by verse number 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be, what class? Saved. By the way, that goes for you as the people, that goes for me as the pastor. Pastor Tom got saved the same way you got saved, by faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, So Jesus has shepherds that don't want to go through the door of Jesus spiritually therefore you're not a shepherd you're a hireling therefore you're not the owner you're you're part of the of the thief and the robber and jesus says if you're going to be in my fold you've got to come through me as the door i want to preach to you the next few minutes on simply a door you don't realize how many doors you've already gone through this morning you woke up And probably the first door you went through was the bathroom door. Can I get an amen? Right? After the bathroom door, you probably went up and went through your bedroom door into the kitchen. Started your coffee. Got your coffee. Went back through your bedroom door. Back through the bathroom door. Out of your bathroom door, you went to your closet door. You opened up your closet. You got your stuff out. After your closet door, you probably went back in your bathroom door. Your bathroom door, you went out your bedroom door. When you were ready, you went from your bedroom door outside of your front door. From your front door, you went to your car door. You got in your car door. You shut your car door. You got here. You got out of your car door. You shut your door. You came into one of the church doors. You've probably been in the bathroom door. Again, that seems to be where most men go. Uh, You've been through... Your Sunday school classroom door, you came into an auditorium door. When I'm done with this message, for the rest of the day, every door you go through, you're going to think about Jesus. Okay? How important is a door? I would submit to you that you can build the most beautiful structure and facility, but if you cannot access it, you'll never know its beauty. The door of a facility or of a home or of a building is necessary. If there had been no door, we could never have entered into that building. I submit to you that heaven is a beautiful place. But there's a door to heaven. And there's only one door. It's necessary that there is a door. And if you're going to get into heaven or you're going to get into the fold of God, then you must go through that door. When I think about Jesus as the door and I think about the necessity of going through the door to get into a facility, I think about singularity. Jesus said, if any man enter in through my door, he shall be saved. There's only one door that leads into the fold of salvation, that leads into the fold of heaven, that leads into the fold of the body of Christ. And that door is the Lord Jesus Christ. So evidently is that characterized how many doors were on the ark. When Noah got his family in the ark and all the animals in the ark, who shut the door? God did. Jesus says, fellas, there's only one door into the fold. Duh, 
Everybody that goes up and over is a thief and a robber. Duh. And Jesus would look at them. You're denying me as the son of God. I am the door to heaven. Duh. Therefore, if you don't come by me, then you're a thief and you're a robber. It gets even better than that. I don't know about you, but the doors of my house are a pain in my blessed assurance. None of the doors in my house work properly. I say it this way. All of them have a personality. Maybe you have doors in your house that have personality. Pastor, what do you mean by personality? For example, if I lock the bottom lock, and this is going out over the airways, uh, if I lock the bottom lock of my front door, you can pick it with a toothpick. The only lock that works on my front door is the deadbolt lock. So I know that, and I have to make sure I teach that. If you were to go out my back door, my back doors don't work. I need new back doors. They don't close properly. They squeak like crazy. When I pull the door, I've got to lift the door to latch the door. If I don't latch the door with the lock, then the door goes open. The doors have a personality. Sometimes a little thing gets shut, and I'm trying to pull on the door, and it won't open. i got to treat it nicely. If you come visit my house, and you try to close my back door, you don't know the personality of my back door. You're not closing it. God forbid you try to go out my garage door. My garage door, the sun hits it on the east side, and Wells that garage door. And I hear Beverly sometimes after she takes out the trash. She doesn't always do it. I do it. Pulling that door. And then I'll hear that dumb door. Babe, you got to understand how to close that door. When you close that door, you kind of got to lift it easy. You kind of got to push it in and you got to pull it up. She says, that's ridiculous. I know, but that's the door. We need a new door. I understand that. We have this wonderful marriage moment within our relationship. What are you trying to say? Who has a door like that? Doors have personality. The door to heaven also has personality. What do you mean by that? No ceremony. No confirmation. No doctrine. No catechism. No profession. No church membership. No achievement. No, anything but the person of Jesus Christ will get you into heaven. If you're going through the door, the door has a personality. Let's talk about the suitability. Different doors are suited for different things, right? You don't put your front door on your bedroom door. You don't take your hurricane-proof door, that's your side door, and you don't put that for your pantry door. You would never dare put a garage door on your, on your back patio door. You don't put a front door inside the bathroom door. Different doors are suited for different moments, and they perfectly fit. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the Lord, there's only one door that is suitable, and that is the mediator between God and men, and his name is Jesus Christ. So many people are trying to access insuitable doors. And you will find they will not lead you to where God is. Let's talk about the user of the door after we've talked about a little bit about the personality of the door. I love what uh, Spurgeon says about this. Listen, I'll just read a couple things and we'll be done. When it comes to using the door, the users of it are not mere observers of it. Which means you don't approach a door and you just look at it. Boy, I sure would like to go to the hallway. I really got to go to the bathroom. There's the door. What are you doing, Pastor? I I need to go to the bathroom. 
why aren't you going? I'm looking at the door. Why are you looking at the door? I don't know. Well, well, the, well, the door opens, Pastor. It's unlocked. I know. Well, Pastor, if you, if you go through that door and make a left, and, and you're right there. I know. My illustration seems simple, but you might be sitting here, and you've looked at Jesus your whole life, but you haven't gone through him by faith in the door. If I look stupid, <laughs> we're not mere observers or knockers at the door. You don't just knock on the door and don't go through the door. We don't sit down before it and hope it. You enter the door. The users of the door of Jesus Christ are ones that enter into it by faith. If you've been through the door by faith, say amen. They're not certain persons who have special qualifications. Look, if you would, at verse number 9. I am the door by me if, say those two words, any man, no matter your color, no matter your race, no matter your rank, no matter your education, no matter your wealth, no matter your poverty, no matter your mistake, no matter your past, no matter your mental condition, the door is available to any man that wants to use it. Sometimes you run into a door and it's marked... For employees only. Sometimes you run into a door and it's marked private. Do not enter. Sometimes you come to a door and it's marked for emergency use only. My friend, when Jesus stretched out on his arms on the cross, he hung a sign out there that said, For whosoever will may come. A door which is conspicuously marked as the door is evidently meant to be used. It is a tragedy to look at a door, to knock on a door, to stare at a door, and to never go through the door and experience what's on the inside. It is a tragedy to look at the door of Jesus and never go through him by faith. The privileges of the user... Jesus said in verse number 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. When the sheep entered into the sheepfold through the door, they knew they were safe. They knew they belonged. They knew they were cared for. They knew they were reckoned by the shepherd. If you're going to know God's salvation and you're going to get into heaven, you're going to go through God's door. And his name is Jesus Christ. I am the door, verse number 9. By me, if any man enter in, how do you enter in? By faith. He shall be saved. And shall go in and out. Speaks to the liberty that we have in the Lord speaks to the joy of salvation. Not only does he go in and go out, but he finds pasture that speaks of the nourishment that Jesus Christ is to us. So let me make my conclusion and I'm done. 
Jesus looked at those fellows and said, you're supposed to be pastors and leaders of the sheep. But you're a thief and you're a robber. And you're a hireling. And the reason the sheep don't respond to you and you cast them out is because they don't know your voice. And the evidence that you are fake is you didn't come through the door. You tell me I'm a liar, I'm a lunatic, and I have a devil. Well, that's evidence that you don't have access into the fold. Because if you were true, you would know I'm the door and I'm the shepherd. So let's just be real clear in our closing. If you're going to get into God's heaven, you're going through God's door. And if you try to get in there with good works or you try to get in there with money, or you try to get in there with catechism, or you try to get in with confirmation. Confirmation is not salvation. My Catholic people need to hear this. Confirmation is not salvation. You are not saved by a man's process. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And we've got people everywhere trying to get into heaven instead of coming through the door. For by grace are you saved through faith. Some people, they just stare at the door. Some people knock. Some people think, well, the door's not for me. Or some people think, maybe I should take my shoes off and clean myself up and then go through the door. No. Jesus is the door. And any man can walk through that door that wants to be saved. Sometimes I try to think about what it was like when the rain came. So last week, we experienced the rain, right? And it came down in buckets. Some of you got 20 inches of rain. We drove through floods, right? When Noah built that ark, he told those people, It's going to rain. You're a freak. It's going to rain. What's rain? Water's going to come down. Not water. Noah, come on, man. Water comes out of the dew of the ground. Rain, you're out of your mind. I'm telling you, it's going to rain. 120 years. And he's building this edifice. He's an idiot. Look at waste his life. And then one day Noah stood, and all of a sudden the animals begin to come. Why are you putting them animals in there? It's going to rain. You want to get in? I ain't getting in there. It's going to. And then his family got in. And then Noah got in that ark, and God reached down his hand and shut that door. Got quiet. Then it began to rain. The Bible says that not only did it come from above, the fountain of the deep broke. 
Now, if you're standing around that ark, you're clinging. Can you imagine how they ran to that ark? Open up the door. God shut the door. Can you imagine the scream and the scream and the scream until there was no more scream. They didn't come through the door. And the ark is a beautiful picture of Jesus and the security we have in him. And they died. God's telling you, the door of heaven is still open. His name is Jesus. Get in before the door closes. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God, what a passage, what a truth, what a statement puts shivers down my spine to think about that. Jesus is exposing these fellows. They are not true shepherds. Jesus said, I'm the true shepherd. The evidence was they didn't go through the door. The door to God's heaven is God's son. Our wonderful privilege on earth today is to preach that wonderful message. People have a responsibility to go through the door. To go through it by faith in the Lord Jesus. To see ourselves as sinners. To see that he laid his life down and he took it up. People try to get in a lot of other ways except humbling themselves to Jesus. It's a thieving way. It's a robbery way. It's not a righteous way. Some people know the door's there and they're just looking at it. What they don't realize is one day it's going to rain. What do I mean by that? One day judgment's coming. And if they don't get in Christ before that day, They're going to be lost. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed. Soul search. Every person in this room. Search your heart. Are you in the fold? As the lambs of God. Have you. Come the salvation of God through Jesus Christ his death his burial his resurrection have you come through the door how would I know that pastor you know his voice he knows your name you've confessed yourself a sinner you've believed in your heart you've received him as your Lord you've humbled yourself and you've been brought into that fold. Pastor, I, I thought I was just going to do it by my good works. It's a thieving way. Pastor, I thought as a member of a church, it's a robbing way. You've got to come through Jesus. So let me just ask you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you've come through the door of Jesus by faith, and you know that you belong to 
the fold of God. If that's you, would you say amen and raise your hand so I can see it. I want to see your hand. God bless you. You can put them down. Maybe you're here today and you haven't made that decision. Pastor, I've been looking at the door. I've been looking at Christ, but I haven't come to him by faith. But today, today, I want to believe upon him and come by faith and be saved and give him my heart. God showed it to me clearly. I need to come through the door. Don't embarrass me. Don't call my name, Pastor. But I'd like to give my heart to Jesus today. Pray for me. If that's you, if you'd lift your hand, I sure would say God bless you and pray for you. Is there anybody in the room? Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else? Kind enough to raise your hand. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Men of God are down at the front. We have a Bible. We'd love to take a minute show you how to be saved. If you could have enough courage to walk down here, we'll show you how to walk through the door of Jesus by faith. You were so courageous to do that. I beg you, I'll meet you down here. I pray you'll come. Christian, you get in the sheepfold and you're safe and secure with the shepherd. I hope you're good with the shepherd today. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, feel your presence. We know you're working. One person raised their hand and said, I'd like to come to the door of Jesus today. God, I pray for that one. I told him I would, and I want to. I pray that you give them courage. It's a long walk from where they are. But if they'll come, God will take a Bible and show them how they could, by faith, come to Jesus. I'll be glad to meet them. We're praying for them. They're surrounded by people that love them and want for them this. Lord, I pray that God's people are safe and secure and right in the fold of Jesus and know the peace of being there. Bless our invitation time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Men of God, if you'll be at the front, our song, wonderful, right here. 487, Room at the Cross. Lift your voice now. You come as God needs you. The cross upon which Jesus died is the shelter in which we can one has come and yet there's room for more have you you know you know whether you've been through the door or not you know you know you know you know if you're standing there looking at the door you know if you're trying to go another way or you know if you've humbled yourself and given your heart to the Lord you know do you feel him pulling on you today to come through the door why would you stand there that's as crazy as me just standing there Looking at the door, why wouldn't I come and receive the Lord? If you've ever come to receive the Lord and you're grateful for that, say amen. Oh, come on. This ought to be our last verse. You don't come now. Yeah, 
then you're going to miss out in this moment. Move now. Let's sing, Brother Rod. Lift your voice. finish that with the true shepherd it will prepare your hearts for thanksgiving i wish there was room for everybody over there but there's only room for the reserved and so senior saints as we dismiss after our song make your way there thank you for being here god has been good to us today we give him glory and praise see you back on wednesday night next sunday god bless you you are dismissed.